sometimes the kids are like, is that meant to be an owl or a rabbit, Kirsty? And I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> but it's just, it's the, F, it's the A plus for trying. It's the A plus for trying. <laughs> very welcome to the Parentline podcast. I'm your host, Kerry McLean. I'm a broadcaster, a Parentline ambassador, and I'm a mum of three. And this is the podcast where we talk all things parenting, both the joys and the challenges along the way, wherever you are on your parenting journey. Now, how many times have you worried about what your children are eating or rather not eating? Are they getting the right nutrition? Are they not? Do you have fussy eaters? Do you have children who won't eat anything at all? Well, I'm delighted to say that my guest today is a lady who can give us all of the answers to that. There's putting a big key. That's quite a big promise there, big promise there. (laughs) (laughs) But Dr. Kirsty Porter joins us now. And Kirsty, before I bombard you with questions that I want the answer to, and all of the parents and carers want the answers to. I know this is a subject that you are so passionate about. Tell us about how you came to open up Nutrition for Kids. Um, well, my friend actually, Karen Cox, is a health visitor um, up in Port Stewart. So I was teaching over in actually England until about two years ago. And then I moved back um, to spend more time with my family. And then she was like, look, um, I, she runs a small business too. And was like, look, there's lots of parents asking me questions with babies starting solids and toddlers. Would you be interested in doing some workshops with me? So that's literally how it, um, it worked out very well. They really enjoyed it. And then Karen was like, why don't you set up your own business running workshops to support families? because I'm all about building positive relationships with food. So that's really um, how it came about by default. It was kind of more of a hobby. So initially I was doing like Instagram or Facebook posts, kind of trying to debunk the myths that exist in terms of nutrition for kids. And then from that, I've now started to do some workshops and online courses and I'm loving it. So that's kind of um, how nutrition for kids came about. And we're very glad it is because now I can ask you all sorts of questions and you can you can help sort us out. You know what? We'll begin right at the very beginning, if that's okay. Back course, with yes. weaning, whenever you first get into that and that's looming on the horizon. Well, I should ask you, first of all, at what age should you start thinking about that? Because I know I've got kids here now, teenagers, one who's five years old. And the information I was given at those two different times was totally different about when I should start yes, yes. weaning. That's right. And that's the beauty of research. It, it constantly changes over time and evolves with the more we learn and the more we change our practice so that's why we would say that very early as you start would be four months and and that's because their kidneys and digestive systems are still developing for babies and then the very last would be in terms of six months so it's usually around about four to six months and that's because you have this prime window in terms of food acceptance and textures and flavors and kind of development in terms of their speech and their skills so that's why we usually would say but for me it's a very individual so the biggest challenge I find with parents is that everybody compares to each other's babies and kids and you feel that pressure of oh my friend's kid is, is doing so well that I my kind of biggest advice would be every child is different so it's very much unique to your child and your baby so for instance when your baby's ready to start solids there's the three key signs so that would be your good head and neck control where they can sit up right on their own they're showing um, good hand-eye coordination so they can lift like a spoon to their mouth and then the third step would be if you think that they're ready if you give them then a, a finger food or a pureed um, teaspoon and they swallow it that means that their tongue tie reflux is is developed enough that they can take solids because if they just push it straight back out that means that they're not ready so that's kind of where I'm very much look it's a very individual basis but roughly around about in between four to six months but most cases it's more like five to six months 
And whenever you do sit down with that initial wee pot of food and that wee tiny baby soft spoon to start them, <laughs> what should be in that pot? What's the best thing to start them on? So there's kind of two different camps. So there's one that's kind of traditional um, lead weaning, which is where you do the spoon feeds. And that would be like pureed fruit or vegetables or like baby rice. Or there's parents who want to start with, you know, um, finger foods from the start. So it's very much baby lead weaning. So that would be soft fruits or vegetables like carrots uh, or parsnip or like broccoli or cauliflower. So those are the kind of key things. Um, to start off with just in terms of getting used to it and my top tip would be you want to introduce vegetables from the very start so babies naturally have an innate preference towards sweet things and that's because of breast milk or formula so that's why they will instantly love and take to fruit quite well but vegetables is a different story so that's why if they're exposed from the very first few days with different vegetables then it, it means it's increasing your chance of your your babies accepting in a variety of different flavors and textures from the start just in terms of even what you were saying with your teenagers probably the advice has changed because it used to be traditionally you would have been on pureed foods for quite a, like a one or two months but now the advice would be it literally only needs to be for the first couple of weeks and then you can progress pretty quickly with lumps and bumps so that's kind of where you'll find and it's the same thing with like food allergens it used to be you delay them because you didn't want to um, you have a chance of your baby developing allergies but now all the research is saying that actually the earlier introduced food allergens like nuts and fish and milk then the better so that's kind of where we talk about that stage by stage process of introducing food allergens for instance as well so that's the beauty of dietitians and, and qualified nutritionists are always up to date with the information to help support families and in terms of here's the things that work and here's the things that don't work in terms of then either with your toddlers or your babies and I guess that's the thing is to reach out and get that help because immediately because I have an allergy. So with all my three, I was so scared about introducing that into their yes, diet, yes. you know, because I, I was so scared in case they would have an allergic reaction and it would be, you know, like yes. really serious. So I guess if you do have a history of that in your family, maybe you're best talking to somebody before you, you yeah, take that step. Definitely. And that's where we're here to help and, and you're and any healthcare professionals as well. But that's kind of where our, our advice would be. So and particularly, as you said, if there's a family history, you may be more concerned. So that's where our advice would always be when you're introducing food allergies, you introduce them one at a time in very small amounts. And that means then you have that reassurance um, that, you know, if there is going to be a reaction, what it's been caused by. So that's why it might be things like smooth peanut butter is quite good if you're wanting to introduce um, nuts. And that would literally be a teaspoon in, say, like cereal or a wee bit on a toast. And literally then you just, you know, you do it earlier in the day. You see how they get on. Then after a day or two, do the same thing and you just gradually increase the portion over the the space of a week and if there's no reactions then you know that's okay so that's where we've um, and that's based on science so we've done lots of research across the world when it comes to food allergens and there was this big study called the LEAP study in England that was carried out and they compared babies and they introduced those that were high risk of developing peanut allergies with small amounts of nuts three either nut butter or there was this like bambino it's like a wee crisp that's covered in peanut flavoring and they find that the ones that were introduced to the peanuts those exposed to that earlier were less likely to develop an allergy compared to those that were introduced later so that's the reason why that in combination with other studies we have changed the advice about introducing food allergens earlier rather than later again it can be very distressing for some parents then because they're worried what happens if they go into you know anaphylaxis or what happens if they break out into highs and things so that's why when you control it and you introduce very small amounts you know you're not going to get as severe as a reaction to if you had um, quite a large amount of it so that's kind of where our advice would be it's small amounts gradually built up over the space of a week. If I could ask you this, how important is it to get routine involved whenever it comes to eating? Because 
I think that's always quite a big jump. You go from a baby and I, I fed my three, I breastfed my three. So it was just kind of on demand, you know, stuck on. So then it was a big jump then to try and have set times when you would feed them, mm-hmm. feed them solids. Yes. So is it important at that stage or is it just about getting the calories shoved in at any stage when they're willing to accept them? Or what do you think? Well, I very much, do you see when it comes to introducing um, foods to your baby, I am very much like about, yes, nutrition is important, but actually at the very start because most of the nutrition is still coming from either breast milk or formula it's actually just getting them used to being exposed to a variety of foods and flavors and building up that good relationship with food that is equally important and actually for babies to, to develop skills to eat and drink is massive you know all of a sudden they've never experienced this before they're trying to feed themselves they're trying to all of a sudden learn how to chew from a variety of different textures is massive and that's all quite key in terms of their development so that's why my advice would be take the pressure off yourself in terms of it yes you will nutrition is important but there's so much more to introduce in solids than just that and that's why at the start as you said Kerry it has to work around your family so usually you know you start off with when you're introducing solids it'll be once a day and then all of a sudden you'll introduce it twice a day and then you'll kind of build up to your three kind of mini meals a day and that's where my advice would be you work around your family so I am very much about I'm not a big fan of, of and, I, and I feel for parents who literally like and I get that quite often I make four or five different versions of dinner because my kids all eat different things so my advice would be from the very start you want to introduce them to your family foods and you want to have a shared meal that everybody has together so that's why if you and mimic the times in terms of like you all have breakfast together you all have lunch together and dinner as much as you can that's from the very start then your baby is part of the family dynamic that you're eating together and that's where then that builds up that routine so that's one of my favorite expressions is routine is king or queen because kids thrive on independence like my mum has always told my two sisters well, every time they're talking about oh no sleep or eating or anything my mum is always like it's routine 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 kids thrive on routine and that's where you, literally from babies and from your toddlers if they know right that we we get breakfast then we get a snack then we get lunch then we get another snack when we come home from school or nursery and then we get dinner and then if needs be you get bedtime snack as well so they know every day to expect that and that helps manage their expectations in terms of their eating and drinking so that's why I literally would say like from the very start when you're establishing your baby's own to your three meals um, and that's why I'm like I'm very a big fan of incorporating your family meals so the difference would be now some Sometimes if there's too much salt in them, you'd use low salt stock cubes. Or my top tip would be you'd take out the food, the baby's food before you add in the salt to season them. And that way your baby's still getting the same food. And literally in most cases you just would mash up different types of meals that you're having. So that way, literally from the start, your baby's having that experience. And 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 that again research would suggest because homemade food tastes different every time, you can experiment with different flavours and textures. Where if your babies are over reliant on the kind of pre made kind of pouches and jars and meals because they all generally kind of taste the same the, the same textures they're less likely to accept and progress on to then a variety of family foods so that's kind of where my top tip is from the start and it's also cheaper as well so I'm always about trying to help parents in terms of making foods that are healthy but on a budget and that can suit all the family. Kirsty, you mentioned there about parents that find themselves cooking three meals, you know, at one time, you know, trying to keep everybody happy. I mean, I have to put my hands in there and say, yes, I'm one of those parents. Speaking on behalf of those exhausted parents who find themselves, you know, having three or four dishes going on, on one meal. Is there a way to come back from that cycle? 
How do you stop that? Yes, very much so. So I think the thing is, and, and again, if you're kind of before that stage or if you're at that stage, we would kind of say one of my tips would be no rescue meals. So children love, and, and that's the kind of thing in terms of in terms of independence, children want to be fiercely independent and they want to control every aspect of their life, which is completely understandable because we are the same. But actually when it comes to food, it's one of the few things in their life that they can control. So if you think about it, they've no choice when they go to nursery or they go to um, your childminders or they're going to school and the same with like you know there's a set routine of what they do in those places or if they're at home it's usually parents or whoever's looking after them in charge of what they're doing so that's why when it comes to food it's one of the few things that they can kind of step up and say no I want this or I'm having this and children learn very early on if you if you pester parents and I'm always and it's about that's the pester part if you're like no no I'm not having that and they know you're going to cave and give in and make them something else so from my experience that's where I'm saying why would you if you know you can push mum and dad's buttons and you can get the food that you want you just have to put up a bit of a fight and be very resistant then that's what happens so that's where the advice would be then you're going to start moving forward and you're saying this is the you know the new normal in terms of there is no rescue meals there's no alternatives everybody's having the same food and if you don't want it that's fine but there's no alternatives it is tough at the start because parents are like oh I'm starving my child I can't do this but I'm like but if you stick to this and you're very good and I mean there's no deviation you stick to this after a few days they'll realize gosh I'm going to go hungry here if I don't eat and that's where then all of a sudden you have that security of okay if if dinner time for since it's the biggest problem you know if you give them a good snack before dinner time or a bedtime snack they're still getting some form of nutrition but all of a sudden then they'll start to change and be like right well I better eat this or um, you know there, there's going to be no alternative and the same thing would be how you present your food so I would I'm a big fan of like so when I see um, patients I would say like talk me through your typical day of where you eat and what does meal times look like for you as a family and I fully appreciate like family life is very busy and everybody has busy jobs. But if you can, my advice would be if you all sit together as a family at a table, if you have one or a breakfast bar, whatever it happens to be, and actually everybody sits down together and you have the same foods, but they're presented in the middle of the table in big bowls. So I talk about um, so it's like serving food family style. So it means then that nobody's being felt different. Nobody's being picked on. And again, there's no pressure or expectation for your children. We're all very able to manage and self-regulate our own appetite and our hunger cues. So that way, in terms of then a big plate can be really overwhelming for kids if you put on a big portion of, of food so that's why if you literally put all the foods in the middle of the table and everybody helps themselves it means that your child can control how much of each of those portions that they want and actually if they want more of the you know potatoes or um, the rice or the pasta or they want more of the meat or, and they don't want as much vegetables at the start that's okay because it's all about this them getting used to it but pressure switches off appetite so that's where if meal times are as you said become quite stressful you're having multiple options that doesn't help the situation so that that's why if you take it, strip it right back. Meal times are fun. It's where you catch up. You don't talk about food. There's no pressure. There's no, and that's where I would talk about building healthy relationships with food for children is avoid negative feeding practices. So what I mean by that is like bribes or rewards or punishment or you must eat this and force feeding. None of that works. And actually, they're more likely to be resistant. And that kind of then where you get these fuss eaters in, in children. So that's where if you take that, strip that right back. That there's no pressure, no expectation that that meal time is a shared time where you're you're talking about your your daily life's having some fun and actually everybody just helps themselves and um, that can make a massive difference. And um, so that's kind of one of my top tips from that perspective. 
And is that what you would do as well with toddlers? Because I can see me using that with, you know, my wee girl now who's five saying, you know, here you pick. I think that's a great idea because she's a really fussy eater saying you pick what you want. But whenever you've got a toddler who just refuses to eat, what would you do in that instance? Um, so in terms of toddlers, there's tons and tons of different reasons why toddlers don't eat. And that can be because if they're not well, if they're tired, if they're constipated, if they're going through a growth spurt or their mood changes, or if they, again, this whole thing, if they feel the pressure and the expectation and they're stressed, that completely switches off their appetite. So that's why food refusal in toddlers is quite common. And it becomes like a battlefield then with meal times. So that's why, and again, we talk about... So with toddlers there's a thing called food neophobia and basically that's just a fancy word for they don't trust new foods they they kind of get quite scared of new foods so they become distrusting and that's why they'll refuse to eat so as you said Carrie like and I get we get that quite a lot like my baby when we were introducing solids would eat a variety of foods now they've become a toddler they've completely changed their mind and they're refusing to eat previously accepted foods and that's because of this food neophobia change so that's where again in the dynamics with your meal time if you're all sitting together other and eating the same foods and you are your biggest role model for your children so if mum and dad are eating the same foods as me they become trusting of those foods if they trust them as safe foods because the rest of the family are eating them and enjoying them so that's why if you stick to the same foods and it's exactly the same with those toddlers who refuse to eat it, it's the same thing because often whenever I talk to parents and say so talk me through and they're like oh I said you must eat this you must eat this and they're literally sitting trying to force feed their children and I'm like but that's why because those toddlers are feeling so so much pressure and expectation for them to try foods that they don't enjoy the experience and actually that's why they refuse to eat because it's just too much pressure for them so that's again if you go back to that taking that back and actually I would say take it a step further so in terms of toddlers and food acceptance if you get them to be involved as much as you can in the full preparation of meals it can make a massive difference as well so I'm a big fan and that's kind of one of my campaigns is to get cooking with your kids in the kitchen but I mean you can take it right back to like and again it depends Carrie because I appreciate if you three or four kids and you're going to the supermarket it can be an absolute nightmare but in theory if like in small bursts you wanted to get for instance you know start small and you were getting a few things I'm a big fan of like if you have wee pictures of the different foods that you need to get and as part of your grocery shop you could give your toddler like one or two wee pictures of like fruit or vegetables and be like can you get that for mummy and again that's them feeling that part of the they're involved in the process and then they're like oh and that can be very very good and the same thing when it comes to meal times your toddlers can help set out the the plates or set out the bowls or the glasses and it's just them getting involved from that process as well and again it obviously depends on the age of your toddler but I'm like there's no reason why they can't wash fruit and vegetables for you and again the research would suggest if your children are involved in actually the cooking and making of foods because they can see exactly what's going into those foods they become more accepting and they're more likely to try something if they've been involved in it um, so I always use the example of at Easter time there like my sister would have said my nephew wouldn't eat cream cheese at all no matter how many times she tried it he just flat out refused because he didn't like the look of it so I had a, I was like right leave that with me so then when I went down for Easter we made like Easter egg um, cheesecakes with like 
because he loves many eggs so um and, and I, he likes to bash things so literally i was like so i had cream cheese was the top and and he literally in a bowl he mixed it up he mashed he loved it he smashed all the many eggs and he put it all together and, and made like wee mini cheesecakes and like my sister nearly fell off the seat because and totally unprompted he was like what is this and i was like oh this is cream cheese and he put dipped a spoon in and he started to try it and lick it and he was like oh this is quite nice now he didn't manage to fool you know easter egg cheesecake but the fact that he actually tried it and that's where again if you get them involved because they're having fun and there's no expectation for them to eat because i didn't say to harry you must eat this you have to try this he literally by himself completely unprompted was like oh i'm going to give this a go and that's the secret so if they can be involved and again if the toddlers are slightly older you can get um so amazon's usually quite good but some like local shops as well you can buy like toddler cutlery like wee knives that are safe for them to eat um wee crinkle cut knives as well that they can actually help then chop up the foods as well and the same thing like i'd always be like if we're making like pancakes or french toast they can flip the bread over they can add in the ingredients if you preload it for them so that way again they're being involved in in, in it and it's a great bonding opportunity for you as well because actually they have fun with you now obviously if you're very busy and you've got time pressure you can't do that maybe every night but actually if you've more time perhaps at the weekends that might be your family bonding that you do like i'd say like a family pizza night um at the weekend or like you're making pancakes or french toast at, at the weekend for breakfast those are great ideas because that's what i love about the pizzas because it doesn't mean you have to make a pizza base from scratch if you don't want to but you can get like pita bread or a pre-made pizza base or even wraps and literally you you can again get the kids to be involved different top ones like mushrooms sweet corn peppers and you can almost make it like a competition of who can make the most creative pizza or you have like family <laughs> taco nights and all of a sudden it becomes, you know, it's not about what quantity of foods that they're having. It's not about the nutrition. It's just about them being exposed to a number of foods. And that's what mealtimes is about. We used to do a thing, said an older girl who was really, really fussy about what she ate. So I used to give them a bowl of mashed potato, like a lump of mashed potato and then sausages and wee bits of carrots and wee bits of tomatoes and different things and say to them like what animal can you make fantastic make, yes you know like shove these things in to make like, hedgehogs and all these kind of things oh yes. and it was great it was the only way that i could get them to eat exactly but i think the main concern that i had at that stage and i think that a lot of parents have is it's great to get them to try these things but how do you actually know they're getting enough nutrition enough calories to do them you know Yes. And I would say, so, so if I, I would kind of talk about, so the two things is, so children are very visual. So especially toddlers, so it kind of be younger than seven, how things look is a big determinant and if they decide to accept the food or not. So that's why presentation is key, making foods fun and colorful. And as you said, Carrie, fantastic. That is a great idea. So I would always say, like, build up a story. So say if you're making vegetables, you're doing a rainbow, you can talk about the rainbow and the weather and make like blueberries to be like the raindrops or for instance, like you know broccoli can be like a tree in the forest and you can be like what does it smell like what does it feel like what does it taste like and the textures and all of a sudden you're changing that dynamic that actually they're, they're having fun so that's a key thing and I would sort of say and how things look so I'm a big fan of like sea cutters and moles so I'm like if you've a wee any of them so you can get tons of them and they're quite cheap like a star cutter or gingerbread man or like a, you know like a rainbow or like wee Disney there's tons of different cutters and moles that you can get and literally if you put the like you said the potatoes into the mold or the rice or you use cutters for like their breads and all of a sudden you you change the boring cheese sandwich into something creative with like a cloud sandwich then all of a sudden that makes it a lot more exciting with the kind of rainbow vegetables alongside that so that way it's all about I talk about variety is the spice of life so rather than trying to 
kind of fixate on every single meal think of the bigger picture so actually what have they managed to eat that day and what have they managed to eat overall in the space of that week so because toddlers appetites do change quite a bit there is there will be some days they'll not eat as much as others but actually if you think in the grand scheme of that week and they've managed quite well that's what i would sort of say to reassure the parents like there will be days they won't eat that much of certain meals but try not to get too fixated on that so in terms of then as you said so what does variety look like in terms of getting that good balance with nutrition for your children so the secret is in terms of meals you want to have a, a carbohydrate source so if that's things like your breakfast cereals and um, bread rice potatoes um like couscous you know a variety of different um you know sources that literally is and kind of potatoes things like that those are all key so if they're being offered at each of the meal times and you'll find because that's your body's preferred source of energy and kids were um, fueled by carbohydrates you'll always find that's quite common they could eat toast out of the house or they could eat lots of cereal and that's because their body um, needs that for to fuel their brain and that's why they do prefer that so if you offer that at every meal time that will help in terms of your balance and likewise you need a protein source so that would be things like your meat or your fish or like eggs or yogurt um, or like chickpeas and beans and lentils and pulses are all fantastic sources then of your protein and that's where you get the variety if you have different ones each day so things like you know it doesn't have to be ma- like lunch doesn't have to be a big massive fanfare like even scrambled egg or an omelette or boiled egg and toast or baked beans and toast is just um, ideal and then alongside that you want to offer then fruit or vegetables so again depending on the age of your child you're aiming for then the, those five portions a day so if you think about right breakfast might be um, toast or it might be breakfast cereal for most children so that's why but you can add fruit into that or alongside that and all of a sudden that counts towards one of their five a day and likewise for lunch giving them a salad or giving them like um, cucumber sticks or carrot sticks or pepper sticks and um, all of a sudden you're then eating your that's another one or two portions and likewise for dinner like whatever you happen to have like peppers onions um, carrots broccoli whatever your family has and again I'm a big fan of making meals that that's part of the meal so if you have like spaghetti bolognese or a chickpea curry or um you know fish pie any of those things you can add vegetables in it so it just becomes part of the meal and there and again for maybe dessert or snack you're offering those fruits or vegetables and all of a sudden you've met the target of the five portions of fruit and vegetables now it mightn't be a daily thing but just being exposed to those different foods all the time increases your chances then of your kids having that very diet so that's why it's about eat during the week if you offer a variety of those sources you're going to get the new nutrition that your child needs and then you'll know as well from i'd say to reassure parents like but um what age are they now have they changed do, do you notice them getting taller do you notice that you're getting bigger size clothes and that's your reassurance that actually you know that they are growing but there is some instances now where children if they're only eating say 10 foods or 15 foods then yes that could potentially impact on their growth and nutrition and if that and if that's where you're concerned and you think that's that's you know that is the routine for them and it's been like this for a long time and, and it's not changing then my advice would be talk to your gp and get a referral to your local and um, pediatric dietitian then so there's a difference between fuss eating and toddlers which they will outgrow to, to a child who's persistently for you know years eating a very limited and number of foods and that's the ones then that you can help then in terms of in with your local and um, pediatric dietitian and they'll come up with strategies then to help in terms of food acceptance and they'll be able to kind of then make that analysis if they need for instance if they might be deficient in calcium or iron what sources you can do to increase that and if they might need a multivitamin to tide them over in the meantime 
So I was going to ask you about that, about multivitamins and minerals and those kind of things, those additional supplements that we buy for kids. I mean, I always got them for mine because I was kind of thought, well, if they're missing out, maybe if they're not eating here, they're not eating that, you know, the things that they should be eating, maybe that kind of tops them up and brings them up. What do you think about them? So generally, if your children are having a well-balanced diet, they don't need a multivitamin unless now, so the Department of Health recommends in all children aged under five, they should have like a vitamin A, C and D supplement. So that would be things like you'll see in the supermarkets or the pharmacists like Abidec or Delvit or WellKid. Um, so those are kind of, that would be the general advice. But I would say if over the space of your week, your kids are having a, a wide variety of different foods, they won't need a multivitamin. But you might find, yes, there is a place, as you said, Carrie, if they have a very limited diet, then yes, a multivitamin might be beneficial. But again, most of those be chewable multivitamins. If you read the back of the label, they are just usually like the vitamin A, B, C and D. There, there's very few in the market that would have like, so for instance, well, kid would have iron in it and certain, and then you can buy chewable tablets that have calcium or iron. So those would be kind of it's very hard to get a, a, a kind of multivitamin that has it all in, in certain children but that's where then again if you need that your your paediatric dietitian would then be advising you on if they felt they needed that but that's where I'd say look generally most parents you won't need to so save your money and just stick with them if they're under five with that wee um, ACD multivitamin but they don't need the kind of the bigger multivitamins generally if, if they've got a well balanced diet. We'll be back in just a minute after this short message from the ParentLine team. ParentLine NI is a free confidential service offering advice, support and guidance on any parenting matter. If you would like some support with any of the issues raised in today's podcast or any other parenting issue, please call the ParentLine team today on free phone 0808 8020 400 or check out our Facebook page for more information. Now... On with the show. Can I ask you about portion sizes? Mm -hmm. Because how do you start to figure that out? Like how much of a different kind of size of portion would I be feeding a two-year-old compared to a Mm four-year-old? So we would say, so in terms of like babies under one, there's no really assigned portion sizes. And then once they become a toddler, you know, there is a difference. So that we kind of split them off into like um, two to three versus four to five. And actually that's the biggest thing for parents because whenever we talk to parents and say, okay, talk me through like what size are they having? And actually then they're very surprised to find out that actually they're, they're more than meeting what they need so sometimes parents expectation of what they feel is a portion size is actually a lot more than it actually is in reality so we would talk about so for instance with fruit and vegetables it would be like half the size of an adult's palm is what is a portion of fruit and vegetables so that's 40 grams so that's half the size of an adult portion so if you think that would be like half an apple it would be half a large um, orange it would be like um, you know 68 grapes or raspberries or blueberries but actually when you talk to parents they're like oh I thought I had to give them half a packet or I had to give them you know 15 and I'm like no it literally is that kind of space and that's why with the younger toddlers between two and three it's more two to three portions of fruit and then when they get between then the the four to five it's that kind of five portions then and likewise with carbohydrates we'd kind of say you know roughly as a ballpark figure half a cup would be kind of what you want so like it would be a couple of small potatoes it would be you know you know um, a tablespoon or two of pasta so all of a sudden that totally transforms some parents expectations of what they feel that actually their kid is managing a good portion because that is what they're what they're eating 
And then likewise for your protein sources, it would be like, you know, one of those small yogurts. It would be like two finger sized adults, like for a cheese portion. And it would be like a small bowl of custard. So we talk about if it's beans or lentils or pulses, it's that again, that third cup would be the size for your proteins as well. So that's kind of um, where we talk about different portion sizes. And again, I, I know sometimes with the science you can bamboozle you because it'd be like, oh, it's 40 grams of this, 20 grams of this. But actually, who has the time to sit and measure everything out? So that's kind of where we do have pictures. So there is different um, resources that you can access that shows you the amount of portion sizes that you need. And actually, with part of Nutrition for Kids a month ago, that's what I did, toddler size portions then on fruit and vegetables and dairy and carbohydrates to help parents because I know how confusing it, it can be. So actually, that's where all of a sudden they were realizing their child having one way to bix or they're having like one slice of toast or half a slice was actually a good portion size for them. So it's sometimes reassuring for parents to be like, actually, they are doing well and they are eating enough portions because that's what's expected of of toddlers. I'm sure you've got a lot of parents as well looking for a bit of support and a bit of advice whenever it comes to lunch boxes going to school as well. Do you know that you know those, there's a lot of people on social media and they put up pictures of their lunch boxes that they send off to school and they're the most incredible. Oh like, yes, food envy, like food envy. Oh, totally, they, totally. And then I'm standing there going, "Oh, mummy guilt." You know, mine's just going away with sort of a floppy ham sandwich or something. But, <laughs> but I'm sure you have a lot of people who worry about that. I do. I worry about you know, am I sending them the right kind of things? Is it going to be okay are they going to enjoy it are they going to eat it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. quite often they come back half eaten well that's it and that's where I kind of say look you know nobody's a Picasso and I think and that's the that, that's the caution I have sometimes with like pin interest and like social media is that parents then do feel um, you know they do feel a bit of oh my word I'm not doing this as you know I, I must be a bad mum I'm not managing to create these masterpieces but I'm like but don't forget a lot of these people are professionals and actually they're getting paid to kind of promote some of those products as well so that's where I'd say look the reality is if you've only got 10 minutes or 20 minutes to prepare for a lunch you have to work within your time frame so I've kind of interpreted the Picasso version of a lunch meal and actually made it into simpler versions so I actually have an intern student with me called Beth and, and she's fantastic and that's what she I was like she is so creative and makes things but they're beautiful but they're simple so literally like when lockdown ended and that first week of kids going back to school we did a series over the space of that week so we did like a caterpillar sandwich we did like a an oil and we did um, like each day we had a different one like a rocket and literally it meant then it took and that's what you'll see in the reel it literally took her like a minute to do because she just was cutting things up or using moulds and literally it was it and again it depends what your family has but sandwiches are, are really quite handy for parents so that's where I was like look you can use different meat or fish or you know or eggs um, with their sandwich fillings as well So, but you can just change how you present them so that's where literally a cutter or you just simply cutting things into like a triangle for the rocket for instance and then alongside that then it's just offering them a different fruit each day on a daily basis and again if you've those wee cutters you can literally create like heart shapes or stars and different ones and all of a sudden that just makes the, the, the fruit or vegetables a bit more exciting or you're using the crinkle cutter to have then if you're offering them like say the, the vegetable sticks as well and the good news is you can always prepare that the night before and just leave it in the fridge and alongside that then if you offer them like a yogurt and things like that and I know it's even hard 
harder now because with all allergies in schools, you're not allowed to bring in nuts. You're not allowed to bring in, you know, certain um, foods. So that's kind of where then that kind of creates more difficulty for some parents because actually if their kids don't eat a certain amount of foods and they're being told they can't bring it into school, that can present challenges. So that's kind of why it's just about, you know, what you can manage. And, and again, for that variety, sandwiches are fantastic. Or for instance, if you've got like a pasta, like leftover from the night before, you could have, you know, bring that in with them as well. Or um, you can get like wee flasks that keep food warm so that so especially if kids i'll hear that quite often kids prefer hot food than cold food so actually bringing in that wee flask of soup or like a hot meal like um you know Irish stew or, or something that they like if you bring that in they can have that then in, in their lunchbox as well so it's just about kind of offering them that variety so again it's the same thing it's your carbohydrates like your breads or bread sticks or like your couscous you know or pasta whatever happens to suit you alongside then again your protein sources and then your fruit and vegetables and then like a wee custard pot or um, yogurt things like that and all of a sudden you've got that balanced meal and then you just switch it up with different variations each day so they don't get bored of having the same things and I'm asking on behalf of all the busy parents um, who like myself have occasionally got to sort of quarter past eight in the morning and thought oh, I've forgotten to make the lunch <laughs> is there anything any of those kind of wee instant prepackaged things you know like cereal bars or anything that you would say are okay to throw in mm-hmm. and that, that would keep them you know ticking over yeah and some of those and some of the cereal bar, bars are fine and actually things like even like a plain rich tea biscuit or digestive biscuits like they're all okay as well and the reality is you know processed like foods that have their place but it's just the thing would be it's being smart with the ones that you're picking so if you read the back of the label so we have a traffic light system in the UK and that's where you want to look to see you know if if it's if it's red it means you're meant to kind of avoid those ones are limit how often you have them amber means in moderation and green means that they're okay so if you're like going up in the supermarket and you're like okay I'm going to pick like as you said one of those cereal bars just have a look and actually see okay what's this one like in comparison to other ones and usually what you'll find is the ones that have more sugar or more chocolate um, tend to be then the ones that are they're higher in, in, in fat and sugar so that's why you might try and avoid you know you t- should have try and limit those ones so you wouldn't be going for like a cocoa pop cereal bar every day it would be things more like there's oat based ones like nature valley or tesco's you know have their own variation or what you could even do is and again it depends on your time frame but some parents would make their own kind of versions of flapjacks or or biscuits at home and then they would just like freeze them and take them out and then they kind of offer them you know as well but again it depends on everybody's cooking skills and their time frame so by all means yes those wee bars and things are quite handy to pop into the lunchbox and the same thing with like crisps or like a a small bag of plain popcorn like they're all fine but again it's just pick the crisps that are like less than 100 calories and the kind of big thick and kind of high fat ones but but again they're okay to to have again just fry it up each day with different with different ones but I guess Kirsty, the thing is to like there are always going to be days like that, days where you're just kind of like, oh, just grab something, yeah, you know, as, yeah. as long as they're putting in something yeah, into their mouth, you kind of think to yourself, <laughs> uh, you know, that'll do for today. I guess the thing is not to beat yourself up and actually not to get oh, too stressed about it, you know, because the stress is yeah. the parents going to get that's going to pass on to the kids, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And actually, like, I guarantee you, see, if you went into the school and you watched your kids eating with the rest of your kids, the amount of lunch boxes that would be very similar to yours is, is, is definitely, is definitely the same. 
And that's why I'd say, like, I'm very much like, you know, you don't shame or you get parents into, like, it's whatever you can manage. So actually, for some parents, they do a combination of a couple of school meals a week and then, you know, pack lunches. And again, it, it just depends. So that's where then I, my advice would be, that's the beauty of the yogurts and, you know, the fruit and things. You literally just wash them. You quickly, you know, put them into the lunchbox. And the same thing, if you're doing, you know, sandwiches or some breadsticks, something like that, you're literally firing it in. And it, but it's just having that dedicated time. So, so from parents, if you know before before they go to school is the worst time and actually you don't have a window of that it would be then can you do it the night before and then have it good to go stick it in the fridge and then you just take it out and you can run out the door then with it and you don't have to worry about it that morning so it might just be actually what time do you have and when's the best time for you to do that so that's where that can make a big difference is actually just the pressures off the kids are in bed and you do it 10 minutes before you go to bed and that's it done and in a wider way, then, I guess the thing is not to pass any stress that you feel about your kids eating or rather not eating, yeah. you know, on to them. Yes, because they pick up on it. So that's where like you are their greatest role model. So if they see you eating the same foods as you and a wide variety, that helps build up a good relationship with food. So if all of a sudden foods are forbidden, so that that's the often hot topic is, you know, snacks in terms of like sweets and chocolate and some things and desserts. And I'm like, but if you place them up as this kind of, you know, special thing that's like forbidden and it makes entices them even more for your children. So we are like, yes, they're completely part of, you know, normal eating and drinking, but it's just the fact is you want the limit how often they have them. So it shouldn't be a multiple times a day occurrence. It can be a couple of times a week. So then, and again, managing that expectation, that routine that they know Friday night or whatever suits that that's the night that they're having, you know, like if you're having a movie night and that's when they have a small bar of chocolate or the sweets, you know, that that's okay. They manage that. And actually for some children, they'll always prefer the dinner, the sweet course so like custard or yogurt or whatever puddings that they're having in comparison to their main meal so if you kind of sit there and say you can't have that until you eat all your meal again it's that kind of developing that bad relationship so all of a sudden if you take that away and, and they're always going to get offered it no matter if they eat the main course or not because if you've given the right portion size, they will still have the, the appetite to eat that. So if they want to eat that first, that's okay. So again, all of a sudden, you're switching their mindset of being like, it's not a forbidden food. There's no such thing as bad or good foods. It's just about everything as part of our diet. It's just you're trying to balance in terms of you limit the foods that, that, that aren't as healthy in comparison, but it still can be part of your weekly um, diet and that that's kind of what I'm about it's very much about you know because that's where kids learn from their early stage oh I can't have that that's a bad food or this is I'm not allowed this that kind of that all kind of creates that unhealthy relationship with food so that's why there's no judgment there's no pressure and actually they are part of our our weekly eating it's just you just limit those type of foods in comparison then to the other foods. But that's so hard as, as a parent, that's so hard to not, I find myself saying those words all the time. Oh, you know, if you're a good girl, if you do that, you can have an ice cream or, you know, it's so hard to, to stop that, yes, that yes. reaction. Uh, that, and that, that won't happen overnight. Exactly. Carrie. And that won't happen overnight. So that's why I'm like, you know, if you've been doing that for years and all of a sudden you're like, well, okay, well, Kirsty says I have to do this. It's not going to be an overnight thing for you, but it's just about changing the, some of the language that you're using. And, and it's just about that kind of gradual process. So at the minute, and, and Ireland there's um, the safe food kind of campaign have done this in terms of to help families because they know there's been a lot more snacks during COVID and things so they're trying to do this campaign of being like to support parents to be like it is okay to say no that they can't have that and to kind of reinforce this is the time that they they can have those kind of treats and things like that so that's where it's about managing your, your language and how you say things and actually it's then about distracting your kids to be like well it's not time for snack time now so how about we go and play or how about we do this and then whenever the snack time comes in that's when 
whenever that food is offered. So it, they and they are very good. So there is strategies and techniques that you can do, and that's where I'd say, you know, Carrie, but it will it will take time, and it's just building up your confidence. And parents hate saying no, and it's like a battlefield if your kids are like literally, you know, pulling that port, you know, being like constantly bombarding with I want this, I want this. The easiest thing is to do is to give. So that's kind of where it takes your use yourself some time to build up your confidence to be like it is okay to say no and actually but it's not that you're saying no forever it's just like not now however your snack time is in an hour however your dinner is an hour and we will be getting food at that stage or you know the deal you, your chocolate does on a Friday night it's not today so then you just and again it's that you're not kind of then building up that fight because you're just stating the facts and then you're moving on to something else Kirsty, this has been great today. I wish I'd had you on speed dial whenever I was doing weaning and going up through the ranks of mine as they got older and older. But listen, if there was one bit, before I let you go, if there's one bit of advice that you would pass on to all families, one thing that you think would make a big difference to everybody, what would it be? I think just that every family is different. So I think my advice would be try not to compare yourself to too much to other families because everybody is different. And actually, you should just just have a good time with mealtime. So I'm very much about let's strip it right back to actually you're just sitting together as a family. You're having meals and all you can do is your best. So again, try not to put too much pressure on yourself that you think you have to have, you know, the, the special foods or you have to do this and you have to do this every night. Your family life is very different and it has to suit around the rest of your family so just work out what is best for your family so if you can work within a routine and that's where again some things Craig might be like you sit down and at, at one time during the week and you decide right, what's my weekly plan for my menus so that you do have lunch options for the kids and you do have dinner options and then you build your shopping list around that so that's where it's just about maybe for some parents what from what they've heard today might be like oh there's so many different things I don't know where to start so it might literally just be okay let's focus on the routine and that's literally so as Kirsty says let's stick to then that they're getting you know fed every two two and a half to three hours so you have that breakfast lunch dinner and your two to three snacks a day or it might be like actually we don't sit together as a family we i'm making separate meals so actually my priority might be sitting together as a family and serving the food family style so i would say just whatever you you think that you would rather prioritize or just choose one goal and that's realistic because yes there might be 10 different things that you can change but that won't happen overnight so just pick one or two small changes that you can do together as a family and and that would be my advice would just be like there's no judgment no pressure and you have to do what works for your family and that's where again if you get that advice if you are trying to find out more information online check out their credentials of the person that you're following because actually if they're not qualified they do give out wrong or inaccurate information so that's where you use trusted places like change for life with the nhs or safe food you know in in ireland or you've got those kind of pediatric dietitians or nutritionists who are experts in that field that are giving you top tips and actually you find most of them because you know we want to support you they will all give out loads of free advice on you know during the week on their social media so actually if you start to follow ones you'll see different options so that's where for instance like i've done the series on lunchbox i've done the series on portion sizes i've done the stories on like top tips for food refusal and i've done kind of some ideas for babies in terms of when they're starting solid so again just picking up that information and not being afraid to say if you do have any concerns about your children it is okay to talk to your healthcare professional like a health visitor or GP because they can help determine do you need to be seen by a paediatric dietitian or is it something that they can manage and support you as well great listen I'm off to check out your lunchbox (laughs) 
uh, tips and videos. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the pressure. That's what I'm going to now. <laughs> oh, well, they're real. Well, I love it because the reels, we very much do like quick 30 second reels, but it literally shows you like, this is what you need. And it's so quickly, and it just shows you like how simple and easy it is. Because I'm very much about, I'm translating Picasso into more realistic things that families can manage. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, I'm less Picasso and more color by numbers. <laughs> me too. So me too. Me, me too. It's not my, it's not my forte ever, but I've learned lots. And I'm like, honestly, guys, me, who's the least artistic person in my family, if I can manage to make wee and like literally, the, and even sometimes the kids are like, is that meant to be an owl or a rabbit, Kirsty? And I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> but it's just, it's the F, it's the A plus for trying. It's the A plus for trying. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so much for having You're a chat with us today. Dr. Kirsty Porter from Nutrition for Kids. Thank you very much. Thank you Cheers. so much for having me. All the best, Carrie. Bye-bye now. Bye.